0: The text this morning is Philippians 4, the verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds In Christ Jesus. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what command is given in the Bible more often than any other command? It's not a warning against sex or the love of money. The most common command in scripture is the command, Do not... Be afraid. It appears in oh, it appears over a hundred times in various forms like do not fear, fear not, or be not afraid. God repeats this command often because fear is part of our fallen condition. More and more people in our society today are suffering from fear and anxiety. The fast-paced society in which we live, and people's inability to cope with the demands of life, contribute to various stress disorders. At times, fear and anxiety can begin to dominate our lives. We don't always have control over this. We may try to avoid things that trigger our anxiety, but often that only makes our anxiety worse. We tell ourselves not to be stupid, and yet we can suffer panic attacks. We will all be confronted with things that make us afraid. Fear is a natural bodily response to danger. When we undergo a stressful or frightening situation, we'll often have a fight-or-flight response. If you suddenly encounter a bear in the woods, you either take a stand, you make yourself tall, you wave your arms, or otherwise you back away and you hightail it out of there. It's a blessing that our bodies respond in a way that gets us out of a dangerous situation. Anxiety is somewhat different. It's most often a fear about what might happen, It's often a response to an imprecise or an unknown threat. Most often, anxiety is related to the possibility of something bad happening, rather than an immediate threat. You might be anxious about walking down a dark street alone. If a loved one has had cancer, you might worry about the fact that you might get it too. Anxiety comes from your mind's interpretation of possible dangers. Most often, the perceived danger is much greater in your mind than it is in reality. Some see fear and anxiety as a faith issue. They say, all you have to do is trust in the Lord. But even sincere Christians, children of God whose hope is in the Lord alone of times when they're overcome by fear. Anxiety and fear can be an overwhelming force in the lives of God's people. And yet it need not be. When anxiety and fear overwhelm us, it's often because our focus is wrong. All our attention is put on the problem facing us. And at such times we often forget to look to God. God. In our text, the Apostle Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything. Now that is easier said than done. Telling someone not to worry will make them worry about worrying. Yet Paul's command not to be anxious about anything is set in a context. The surrounding verses speak of the Lord's nearness and care. The best way to overcome our anxieties is to look to Jesus Christ and to his goodness towards us. It is to lay the very things that worry us before God's throne of grace in prayer. It is to give control of our lives over into the care and keeping of our gracious God. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Do not be anxious about anything. We'll see how our anxieties can overwhelm us, how the presence of Christ reassures us, and how the peace of God guards us. We read together this morning part of Matthew 14. It tells the story of what happened after Jesus fed large crowds with a boy's lunch. Jesus sent the disciples in a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee while he went up on a mountain to pray. While they were out at sea, a storm blew in against them. The Sea of Galilee is known for terrible storms that arise out of nowhere. Matthew speaks about the boat being a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Imagine the disciples lowering their sails rowing their boat into the wind to keep it from being swamped. It's likely that they were afraid for their lives. From a human perspective, their fear would be justified. In ancient times, countless sailors lost their lives at sea. But we need to remember that these men were disciples of the Lord Jesus Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, when a storm had come up on the lake, Jesus had been with them. When they woke him because they feared for their lives, Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. And it was completely calm. If they thought of Jesus, if they remembered his miraculous deeds and his care for them, they could be reassured. The disciples were out at sea a long time. It was not until the fourth watch of the night that Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. The fourth watch of the night is the time between three and six in the morning. And so by now the disciples had been at sea for eight to ten hours before Jesus came to them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They were just normal people like you and me. You don't expect to see a person walking on water. It goes against the laws of nature. And so the disciples thought they were seeing a ghost. And they cried out in fear. This fear is less rational. Do ghosts actually exist? Some people believe that ghosts are the spirits of dead people that somehow appear to the living. Why were the disciples caught up in this kind of superstition? It's probably because they saw a man walking on water and they knew that real flesh and blood people cannot do that. Remember that these men were tired, having battled the storm all night. So they assumed it was a ghost and they cried out, in fear. What Matthew 14 makes clear is that the disciples were real people who faced situations in life that caused them to be afraid. We all experience situations in our lives where fear also grabs hold of us. I remember driving through Detroit one time, being very low on gas, getting off the highway to find some pulled up at the pumps of some small gas station and filled up my tank. And I needed to go inside to pay. Outside the door, there were, these, or there were four or five big, tall, tough-looking black guys staring me down. I was pretty intimidated. I was afraid that they might beat me up and rob me. There were situations in life where we were afraid because our physical security is threatened. Some people are scared of the dark. Others are afraid of heights. Some fear snakes or spiders. Others are scared of clowns. Not all our fears are rational. But somehow, the threat of harm, real or imagined, triggers fear. For some people, most of their fears are situational. You experience something in life that causes fear to arise in your heart. But when the situation is resolved, your fear disappears. For other people, fear is more persistent. We can feel constantly worried without knowing why. We experience anxiety without there necessarily being a trigger for this fear. We can easily get anxious about our material well being. Everything costs more money and it's a struggle to pay the bills. We fret, we worry. We know that Jesus told us not to be anxious about what we will eat or drink or wear we know that our Father in Heaven provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and that we're much more precious to Him than they are. And yet at times it's hard not to worry about the future, about how we're going to pay for necessary repairs on our house, or if we'll have enough money to retire. One of the deepest fears that people face in their lives is the fear of not being accepted by others. No one likes to be ridiculed or made fun of. No one likes to be rejected. No one likes to feel alienated. We want others to like us, to accept us, to befriend us. Our fears about not being accepted often come from a negative self-perception. We think, I'm no good. I can't do it. My life is a failure. Why would other people like me? In recent times, there has been a massive increase of people affected by social anxiety. It's an intense, persistent fear of being watched and judged by others. Such anxiety can make it difficult to go to work or school. Some people find it difficult to attend church. We get worried that In some way, we won't measure up. And that others will make negative judgments about us. And so it's easy to become isolated, disconnected from other people. Yet the more we isolate ourselves, the worse our anxiety becomes. There's some well-known factors that contribute to the massive increases we see in social anxiety in our society For our boys and our young men, gaming often contributes to this. When your gaming avatar is strong, attractive, capable, and a winsome character, you might feel like you don't measure up in real life. When you spend hours and hours in the make believe world of whatever game that you enjoy playing, you lose contact with real people and real life. Gaming easily becomes an addiction, and like all other addictions, there's a price to pay. Often that includes not having real relationships with other people, perhaps not even knowing how to be friends with others. For many of our girls and women, social media has contributed massively to our anxieties. On social media, most people present themselves in a very positive manner. Their photos are photoshopped. Their children look adorable. The meals they cook look fantastic. It seems like they're always going out and doing fun things. To us, it can seem as if everyone else's life is perfect. So-and-so got hundreds, perhaps even thousands of likes. But when I posted, I only got six. People must not like me very much. I'm such a loser. Scrolling through social media has become an addiction for many. It cuts us off from real relationships that often causes deep anxiety in our lives. Fear and anxiety can overwhelm our lives, beloved. Anxiety increases people's stress levels. It interrupts our sleep. It can cause us to avoid situations in which we might be uncomfortable. It can isolate us from the support and encouragement of others. A gaming addiction will often lead to depression. Social media addiction has caused suicide rates to skyrocket among teenage girls and young adults. It's clear. Anxiety can overwhelm our lives. It's why the most common command in the Bible is, do not be afraid. It's why in our text, Paul commands, do not be anxious about anything. Brings us to our second point, and we'll see how the presence of Christ Reassures us. It's easy to say, fear not, or don't be anxious. But it's another thing to learn to deal with and to overcome our anxieties. It's not easy. Part of the problem is that when we're faced with issues in our life, we tend to focus on them. But focusing on your fears and anxieties doesn't help. It generally makes the situation worse. What we need to learn to do is to turn the focus away from our problems by turning to the Lord and to the help he gives. When the disciples faced a terrible storm on the Sea of Galilee, they were afraid. When Jesus came walking to them on the water, they thought they were seeing a ghost. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. By walking on water, Jesus is performing another awesome miracle that proved he was God. But note that Jesus did not immediately stop the storm. The boat was still being buffeted by wind and waves, the disciples' lives were still under threat. Was this miracle of any benefit to the disciples? Yes, beloved, it was. The point is that Jesus came to be with them in the midst of the storm. It is his presence that matters. They're no longer alone. Christ, their master, had come to be with them. They knew he had the power to command the wind and the waves to be still. Jesus' words to his disciples are significant. He says, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. The take courage, don't be afraid remind us of the words of Joshua to the people of Israel when they faced armies bigger and stronger than themselves. But it's especially the words, It is I, that are significant. Literally, the Greek text says, I am. On the one hand, this was Jesus reassuring his disciples. He'd come to be with them. But I am is also the name of the Lord God of Israel. In the Old Testament, God said to Abraham, I am El Shaddai, that is, God Almighty. In Exodus 3, he said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. A little later God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush as I am who I am. In his covenant name the Lord makes known his constant faithfulness, his abiding love. So what Jesus is saying in Matthew 14 is, I am the presence of the living God with you. So take courage, don't be afraid. His point is, is that if He, as God, is with us, we're safe, we're secure in Him. Beloved, when we're overwhelmed by fear and anxiety, our greatest comfort is that we're not alone. God is always with us. He has made great promises to assure us of this fact. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, God says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Our God is all-powerful. He loves us with a deep and abiding love. And so we can be secure in Him. Certain of His gracious care. In our text, Paul commands, do not be anxious about anything. It's striking to note the context in which Paul gives this command. Before giving the command, Paul writes, the Lord is at hand. A better translation is, the Lord is near. How is the Lord near to us? Well, he's come to dwell in us with his Holy Spirit. He abides with us always, even when we feel alone, alienated from other people, God will never leave us or forsake us. He will help us through the struggles we're facing in our lives. In our text, Paul spends much time encouraging us in how we are to deal with our fears and anxieties. He tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. It's a command that baffles many people, especially those overcome by their anxieties. How am I supposed to rejoice when my mind is overcome with worries, my heart overwhelmed by anxiety? Our inclination when hearing the command to rejoice always is to say, get real. You don't understand my life. You don't know what I'm going through. But beloved, we need to realize that Paul himself had many things to be anxious about. Paul was in jail. He's not sure if his life will be spared or if if he'll have to die for the sake of the gospel. When he encourages the Philippians to rejoice always, Paul knows that he's writing to Christians who are facing very difficult circumstances. From inside the church, they had to deal with false teachers. And from outside the church... They face persecution for their faith. Paul does not just command us to rejoice. He commands us to rejoice in the Lord. The reason for our rejoicing is not the difficult circumstances facing us in our lives. The reason we are to rejoice is because we know we have a Savior who loves us with a deep and abiding love. Jesus loves us so much, he gave his life for us on the cross. He has fully paid for all our sins. He has set us free from the mastery of Satan. He has promised to provide us with all we need for body and soul. He has promised to keep us in his gracious care until one day we may inherit everlasting life. What can people do to us? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There are times in our lives when we need to make a conscious choice to live in the joy of our faith. It doesn't mean that our fears and anxieties have all disappeared. But the antidote to worrying is rejoicing. Instead of getting bogged down with all kinds of anxious thoughts, we need to learn to praise God. When you're worried, sing a psalm about God's covenant faithfulness to his people. When the cares of life threaten to overwhelm you, sing about Christ's victory over sin and Satan. Reflect on your only comfort in life and death. And praise God for all he has done for you. In Jesus Christ, your Savior and Lord. Besides telling us to rejoice in the Lord always, Paul also commands us to pray. He writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. There is something really awesome about prayer. When we pray to God, we acknowledge that we need help and that we're seeking that help from the Lord our God by laying our needs before the throne of grace, by thanking God for all his rich blessings, we learn to see that it is God who's in control of all of life. By recognizing that God is in control, we learn To trust and depend on Him. When we're faced with fears and anxiety, it is the presence of Christ that reassures us. This teaches us something important about gathering for worship. Some of us struggle with social anxiety. It's difficult for us to come to church or to attend the Lord's Supper. I understand that such anxiety can be real. And that it's difficult to overcome. But take steps to help you overcome. Come to church with a friend for support. Sit in the back or out in the foyer where you feel safe. But beloved, come. You know why coming to church is so important? It's because when we gather and worship, we come into the presence of Christ. He ministers to us. Singing praises to God and calling on Him in prayer helps quell our fears and anxieties. Listening to the gospel reassures us of God's goodness and love and faithfulness towards us. Attending the Lord's Supper allows us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Being in the presence of your brothers and sisters in Christ and worshiping with them lessens the isolation and helps you feel like you're part of the community. It brings us to our final point, and we'll see how the peace of God guards us through living a life of praise to God and dependence on Him that we learn peace. Peace means that we've been reconciled with God, that we're living in harmony with Him. It means that we go through life from day to day knowing that the Lord is at our side, that He loves and cares for us. Peace means we're living in communion, in fellowship with God. The peace of God is a gift we receive from the Lord when we learn to put our hope and our confidence in Him. It's something we receive when we hand over our fears and our anxieties to God. Yet the peace of God also has an effect on our life. At the end of our text, Paul says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds, In Christ Jesus. What does this mean? Well, to understand, it's helpful to know that Philippi had a garrison of soldiers in it who guarded the city. The people didn't need to fear the invasion of hostile forces. Well, in the same way, the peace of God will keep calm the minds and hearts of those who put their faith and trust in Him. See, beloved, it's when we turn away from our anxieties and when we focus on the Lord and His goodness that we find rest for our souls. That doesn't mean that life will be problem-free. It doesn't mean that we won't face any more fears or that anxiety will never arise within us. Yet God will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through the Spirit, God will help us to put our focus on Christ and the grace we have in Him. That kind of focus will help prevent us from giving in to anxieties, from having our minds diverted by worries. So, beloved, rejoice in the Lord always. Seek your hope and salvation in Christ our Savior. Remember that He is seated as Lord and King at the right hand of the Father. He's sovereign. He's in control of everything. Remember the depth of His love. Dying the bitter and shameful death to redeem us from our sins. Bearing our curse so we can have peace with God again. Live in the joy of your faith. I'm not talking about pasting an artificial smile on your face to cover up what lives inside. Realize the grace we've received in Christ, the wonderful riches our Savior has earned for us, the comfort we have belonging to Him, the assurance we receive from His loving care in our daily lives by rejoicing in the Lord, and by placing our needs and concerns before the Father's throne of grace, that God grants us peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Unbelievers sometimes wonder about that. How in the midst of all the struggles and sorrows of life, we can go on. Why anxiety and grief and frustration don't overwhelm us where our strength, our comfort, our joy come from. Well, it's not from us, beloved. It's not because we're so competent or so strong. It comes from God, who cares for us. From Christ and God's grace in Him. From the Spirit who strengthens us. I'm sure, beloved, that despite this morning's sermon, at some point this coming week, you will catch yourself worrying. The cares and concerns of life are a daily reality. Anxiety about different things going on in our lives can easily overwhelm us. The question is, are you going to allow yourself to fret and worry? Or will you bring your needs and concerns before the throne of grace in prayer? Will you make a conscious choice to live out of the joy of your faith? Praying and praising help us focus our minds on God. And so we're enabled to rejoice in the Lord always. It's by rejoicing in the Lord that we set aside our fears and our anxieties. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing together. Psalm 107, stanzas 9, 10, and 11.